0: To another episode of Out on a Limb Podcast, where in keeping with our 2024 resolution to bring you new and exciting guests, we have the amazing Diana Adair and Donna McMurtry coming to us this early morning from Colorado. And we are super excited. You're gonna love this conversation. So Diana and Donna work together. Uh, as sisters doing quantum healing work, they are published authors, world travelers, and researchers with amazing wealth of information that I hope that we can just chip away at a little bit in this podcast. Uh, I met Donna first in the blue there on our quantumhealers.com forum, uh, which you any of you that work in the healing or metaphysical world can join. It is um, a beautiful community of like-minded individuals. And when I first joined the forum and started engaging in these conversations, I noticed Donna McMurtry's name popping up and the content of her her discussion posts were so just incredible. I could feel the heart-centeredness. I was really drawn to Donna. And then, of course, after having met her sister, the same like-minded heart-centeredness and love. And we realized, Will and I, that they are part of our soul family. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when we met in person a couple of years ago, the the lightning just, the sparks went off. For sure. But the content of of Donna's conversation that really sparked my curiosity, the very first post that I recall, was one about, because they live near Pike's Peak on a mountain, uh, and have hiked and had interactions with Terra beings, namely Sasquatch was the post that I remember you mentioning and this conversation, this interaction with Sasquatch and other Terra beings. And that's what I want to dive into first. However, but before we dive into the meat of it, why don't you give us a little bit about your background, uh, telling us how you became involved in the metaphysical world and uh, were you always you know did you always feel this spiritual inclination or or how did that all develop for you guys
1: well since i'm older i get to go first Um no we were born into a very conservative religious family conservative christian i'm um, super conservative we looked like amish we were not amish but we looked like amish and so we were definitely not metaphysical <laughs> at first we were always though thanks to religion highly spiritual that was a, a perfect foundation for what what and who we are now so um, when we got into this world, the more the metaphysical world, um, we were both adults. And I'll let Diana talk about her story. I was in my 30s and had just come out of the church, uh, a less conservative style of church, more community, you know, non-denominational um, Christian church. And so I had been questioning for years <clears throat> uh, a lot of things that I had believed in and been programmed with or taught over the years. And um, and at uh, in that journey of questioning, I also, of course, began to receive some answers so that I was seeking further. you know, you guys are very familiar with this story. Mm-hmm. And so one thing led to another. And thanks to my spiritual connections that I was accustomed to already, um you know, I, it was easy to then connect to, other consciousness, other beings, the source of all of us and all that is, and that sort of thing. So I am super grateful for religion and for my background because it was a perfect, um, a perfect training ground for all that we do and all that we connect to now. Mm. So that's me.
2: For
1: sure. Well, and it came in in a big way um, around 2007
3: when we both discovered we were interested in Atlantis and That was where I really make the connection and where we connected, and that was part of your journey, your fast journey out of that world and into this different spiritual world, because I had recently moved back from Alaska. So I left the church way before. I was the rebel out out there doing wild things, and my family was all praying for me, and it worked. Thank you. I'm here. (laughs)
4: <laughs> doing the stupid human tricks, right? <laughs>
3: right. That's right. <laughs> what else can I try? That's not approved.
4: <laughs>
2: right. <laughs>
3: um. So, yeah, I think I left that world when I was 17 and when I was 20 moved to Alaska and got all my wild years out out there, but that's also where I reconnected with um, God source, all that is. Um, Cause I took myself down solo in every way. And um for the first time in my life, when I was like, somebody help me, uh, get me out of here, is when I felt that the, the love place, the God energy, just fill my car. I remember that moment of driving from Girdwood, where I live, to Anchorage, which was about an hour drive away to go bartend and asking for some sort of help because I was just at my bottom and just felt felt the most absolute love I've ever felt in my life. Mm. And that's when that connection to the true source came in for me. And then shortly thereafter, I discovered yoga, and then I started reading spiritual books, and then I learned about meditation and energy and the chakras. And it was like, oh, my God. Moved back to Colorado, Donna and I start talking about this, and she is also interested in these things. And so um, that's where we took it deeper. And really researching um, Atlantis is a big part of my spiritual awakening um I would say maybe for both of us so it is
0: interesting I know that you have it's a family of five right four girls Mm -hmm. and one boy and you're all very close and live relatively close together uh so I've met all of all except for your brother and they're beautiful beautiful family um but you two have a particularly close bond with the work that you do um Mm -hmm. surrogate sessions for others and um, bringing forth their higher selves and guides and fantastic work that we'll get to at the end. And so when you bonded over this Atlantis idea and and all of that, did you immediately then start the research and the channeling to bring forth information that led to your book series? Or how long did that take? What was that process?
1: So we immediately started the research. And then it was actually one of our friends that had watched the movie Interstellar. Mm. And um, had read some background on that, how many of those concepts, um, the writer of that based a lot of that information on Dolores Cannon books. Mm-hmm. And so that was then our introduction to Dolores Cannon and then the quantum healing world. And it went from there. So yeah, we had been researching for probably less than a year before we ran across Dolores Cannon. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you know we heard about her and started reading her books, and I can remember reading her books in the beginning, the energy of them, and this was true of many other authors and metaphysical books as well back in those days, but I could only be in that for a certain amount of time before it would be overwhelming and have, I'd have to put it down. Did you Have you guys had that experience?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even with our current book, The Origin it, Story, we've heard from so many people that they fall asleep while they're reading it, or they it's just so overwhelming in energy that they...
4: And- that's that's what i'm experiencing so i you know as as you know you guys know um you know i'm the one that it came through right you know i'm the channel for it well i never read any of it i never listened to it but now because of the class that we're putting on i'm having to immerse myself in the book and so when i read the chapters i even come home and i'm like i read it but it's like reading i might as well be reading chinese at this point it's like it's almost foreign it's completely like. Cognitively disconnected, but yet there's so there's so much truth and so much depth that I just have to sit back and just like, what did I just read? What where the depth of this is just insane. So it's it to me, it's mind blowing to actually read what I've channeled. And this is the first time since channeling that I've actually had to force myself to do this.
0: It's a little difficult for him to read his own channels or listen to them. Yeah. And you may may feel the same. So you like. Were you gonna Yeah, I was gonna else? well,
4: I was gonna so one little thought that's rolling around in my head. And I this is going back to the beginning of your sensations about Atlantis, kind of that that formative stage. I, I want to take our audience kind of there for those that might be themselves experiencing some sort of vision or knowing or memory, you know, for you guys, how did it? formulate to the point at which you knew this was the truth. It wasn't something that was just a a dream that came about unless you guys were very already immersed in your dream state and knowing the truth in your dream state. Now, that's a different, I guess sub area. But to, to this is more for people who are getting the, who are getting this information now, but not really trusting it, maybe. maybe thinking of it as they're they're making this up. This is just their their imagination making this up but really the truth is really unlocking so fast for so many people that it can be very confusing so i kind of want to for me i kind of want to start at that point because i think that's so important for for some of the listeners to understand that what they're experiencing now there's a lot of truth in it and they have to be willing to so how did you guys learn to trust yourselves and what you were getting
1: well it feels important to say excuse me that It feels important to say that it was a, as soon as I heard the word Atlantis, much less anything about it, it was a fascination and then bordering on obsession, (laughs) Um, you know, where it just sucked me in and I couldn't get enough. And I would say for me, the learning to discern um, truth from not truth, which is ongoing, um, to me, truth is what my soul, my inner self, my whole self aligns with. So my truth can be different than Diana's truth or different than your truth and still be legitimate. That's my definition of truth. And so having um, a lifetime of experience with not truth, um, you know, having a lot of different belief systems and programs and things like that, both human and religious and academic and, you know, otherwise on and on, um, was such good training ground for then feeling into uh, or sensing into what do I align with and what I what do I not align with. So the more that I was taught by my team and all the information they brought in, um, onto my path, um, the more that I began to discover this about truth and I stopped chasing what is the one truth and started looking at what is my truth, What what does my soul align with.
0: Yeah. That is important. Thank you for that. Because yeah. we try to share with our listeners and our viewers that um, discernment is critical and that there isn't one truth. It's what resonates with you. And so how can you tap into that and start to discern what's true for you? And so you, like many had so much experience with what wasn't true. The yeah,
4: other side that, of the that course, truth yeah.
0: became obvious, right? Well, and I would
3: add to that. Um, I love this topic. Just yesterday I had a friend text me and say, how do I know if it's my truth or it's my fear talking? And so to add to what you said, what I a lot of what I've learned of how to validate my inner reality and therefore my outer reality came through therapy. <laughs> so um, I being a therapist myself and um, when I was going through cranial sacral therapy school, that was another deep opening and clearing to that inner reality for me um, where I did a lot of deep inner work and also started to Tap into my body's truth, because my soul's truth is reflected in my body's truth. Mm. And so, getting a clear uh, yes and no through my physicality is so key for me to, you know, weigh everything against. And so, like for me, a, a yes is I feel like an opening out from my heart, and a no is I feel a drawing in to my mm. solar plexus. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I do either together or either one is, is this coming from love or fear, which is sort of a truth untruth too, slightly different, but it helps me in um, choices I'm going to make things I'm going to say of um, thoughts I'm having is this thought coming from love or fear. And so getting a baseline in my body for what what that is. You know, love feels warm and expansive and expressive and uh vibrating. Mm -hmm. And fear feels bubbly. It's almost like indigestion in my belly. Mm -hmm. So that's been um super helpful for me. And um, Will, to answer your question, you know, the dream state or how do we start validating that Atlantis is real for Mm -hmm. us and and that we were actually there. Um, as part of my own self-healing, I was doing a lot of Uh, breathwork, breakthrough holotropic breathwork with a, a couple here in town. And that's where I had my first past life memory, which we actually put in our Atlantis books because that's where it happened and we were both there. And it was towards the end, this would have been 2012, towards the end of the session where after I'd gone through the whole process, which is very intense and also can be really amazing to clear us out at a cellular level, um, dropped into this and it was absolutely real, visceral in every way. I went through the whole death process and I was looking at her in that lifetime and ta- they were forcing um, her to watch me be ritualistically killed and feeling the knife go into my chest, feel me take on her terror and trauma and get to clear all that out and then put that in the context of what was happening in Atlantis during that time period. And I mean, i you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I can just now talking about it. I feel yeah. that clear as day. So it was experiences like that. And it really came through connecting more deeply, embodying, getting into my body. Cause I always wanted to get out, right. I wanted to be in my upper chakras and I wanted to go wow. out there and it's been so much. And it continues today of getting, going in to go out, right. going into my heart,
1: yes yes i'd I'd like to make one more point about how do we discern between what's quote real and unreal for each of us what is our truth and what is not our truth and that is we are trained in this physical world to use our senses to detect what is quote real or unreal right Mm -hmm. what we are not told is that we have an equal and uh related set of inner senses so you know the our outer senses are mirrored with inner senses, and once you know that, and then begin to pay attention to and use that, and that includes using your body um, to sense, to feel, to do all the things that our beautiful bodies are designed to do. Um, that is uh, for us, for both of us, really the key of what is real and what is not real in the inner world, mm-hmm. as well as in the
0: outer world does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Excellent points. And you're reiterating things that we've mentioned many times in the podcast about discernment and how to understand our truth and why, why it's so important and having the baseline, like Diana said, if you don't have a baseline, then you don't have anything to weigh the incoming information against. So it's important to know yourself, which means again, going within and spending some time there and going within to go without beautiful. Yep. Yep. All right, so you've discovered this Atlantis connection. You've discovered Dolores Cannon. You eventually became uh, uh, certified in Dolores Cannon's QHHT, or quantum healing hypnosis practice, correct?
1: Right away, we did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was an absolute yes. Mm -hmm. As soon as we started reading her books and learned about what she taught, we were like, oh, yes, we must do this. (laughs) More, please. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it was interesting because we uh,
3: went through the training in 2014, and um, it just happened to be like a week after she transitioned. <laughs> oh. They had put her class online very newly,
0: yeah,
3: and um, they, just the timing
0: of things. <laughs> That's very interesting. Wow, who led that class?
3: So it's it's videos of her. It's all oh. online training she did. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how that and Candace Goldman was in there. And <laughs> really? unbeknownst to us, we would get to know her so well later.
2: Right. Um, right. Funny
3: to think back of watching her
0: and we were connecting with her as well as Dolores in that class. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's. And so that eventually led you to Candace's platform, Candace, Carl Goldman, the dot And that's where we all met and yeah. And we're all connected to Candace and our Big soul family. Beautiful. Okay. Well, that was a great encapsulation of who you are and where and how you came to do all of this work. And we're going to get a little bit more into the Atlantis book and I'll show those in a minute. But let's get back to what I alluded to in terms of the Terrabees, because we're really, in fact, in our origin story class, we're on chapter two, which are the Agarthans. Um, And so, Donna. And I know Diana has had your own experiences. So both of you chime in here. And, and in fact, I have to give you a plug because Diana is incredible on some, both of them are incredible on so many levels, but Diana, who y'all both worked on Pikes Peak. You've been raised in that area. You've run the Pikes Peak marathon too many times for me to even know how many. Fentifully. I mean, like it's hard enough to run a few miles, let alone a marathon, let alone a marathon up a freaking mountain. That's what? What 14, how many 14,000
2: 14, feet,
0: yeah. Holy cow. All right, so you've had a lot of interesting experiences out in nature and on the mountain. So tell us about those and maybe your first encounter with these beings. How did that work? Well, you
3: can talk because you had your experience on Pikes Peak first.
1: Yeah, there's this trail. So first of all, we live on kind of the backside of Pikes Peak. Um, if you consider Colorado Springs or the front range, the front side um so we get a whole other uh, view of it and experience of it um and there's this trail i that i love to hike it's called pancake rocks and also has horse thief falls a waterfall and all this stuff and as soon as i knew anything about sasquatch who i'm now going to refer to as the terra beans but i do want to make clear we are talking about our normal word is sasquatch um, in one of my very first conversations with them, I I knew Sasquatch means wild man, you know. It's and it's it just always felt derogatory to me. So I asked. And I thought them, it was
0: a step up from Bigfoot, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Which, um, before you start, let me show this. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> I hope everybody can see that. <laughs> believe in bigfoot or you're wrong right so that speaks to this dichotomy that we're in right now you either believe like i believe or you're wrong that cracked me up i had to get that
1: i have a i have a sticker i don't have it to show i don't think but it it also has bigfoot and it says we don't believe in you either
0: (laughs) (laughs) right right right
4: that's awesome i love that
0: he, he just prefers generic tara being is that correct
1: um, so I asked them, what would be an appropriate term? You know, what would you guys call yourselves if you used words? And they said Terra beans. Yeah. And it made so much sense to me because they are older than humanity is on this planet. Um, as most of you know, Gaia and Terra are older names in different cycles for our planet Earth. <clears throat> and so, anyway, Terra beans. So I had kind of touched consciousness with them in the different stories in Dolores Cannon and other people's books and in articles and things like that. And I knew I felt a strong connection um, with them. But this one day on Pike's Peak, I have had a knee problem, an issue in my right knee for years. Mm-hmm. Um, to where it made it really painful to hike which I love to hike and trail run which Diana drags me along on her training for Pike's Peak. No, <laughs> I want to get her up there someday. <laughs> it's a privilege. I I love that she dra- that she allows me to come on on her long hikes and 14ers and all that kind of stuff. So, um I was I was talk I I had connected as soon as I got there I could feel my consciousness kind of go into an alternate dimension, you know, it felt feels a little bit like being in session. And I felt them very strongly. And I had, since I learned about them, felt them very strongly on this trail. I still do. Every time I'm on this area on Pikes Peak, Pancake Rocks Trail, I just think of them and I feel their Mm -hmm. presence and it feels super easy to connect to them. And so this one day they were very present and I started, and I could see them with my, you know, third eye, I could see visions of a bunch of them, you know, gathered in the space and so I just started talking to them telepathically, and it was very easy. It was just this conversation that flowed, and I wish, I wish, I wish I could have recorded it because, I mean, this hike is, it's seven miles round trip, and it's pretty up, you know, it's pretty pretty big elevation gain. So it takes me about three hours at a comfortable pace, plus sitting at the top, you know, for a while. So it was three hours of intense converse- telepathic conversation. And um, long story short, they they were like, well, what's wrong with your knee? <laughs> when we're talking along, you know, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know, I've had this for a long time. And they were like, well, why don't you heal it? And I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. I would love that. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. And um, some of these questions they would ask, it was very shortly into the conversation that the answers were so long in words, I just said, can I just open my consciousness to you so you can get the answers, so you can feel and experience, you know, so I don't have to put all this stuff into words. And they were like, yeah. And so that that was e- much easier to do that. And I felt totally safe to do that with them. I would not do that with all beings, but with them, it felt so safe. So they started flowing to me one healing method, the the primary one they use um, which is to use earth energy. You know, they were like, well, just ask, you know, earth to work with you and and you're only going to be able to withstand about a drop of the healing energy the earth can give. And so anyway, they led me through this whole thing and I did not, I have not had a knee problem since, you know, like it was instantly gone, instantly healed. Um, And, but uh, we talked about so many things that day, but that of course, you know, was the most impactful in my life was this complete and total healing of my knee using earth energy. Um, So, yeah, that was beautiful. And then another uh, primary encounter with them is Harakatsiki, who is on our quantum healers forum, um, has had, I don't know if she still is, was doing a series of YouTube sessions um, with different um, elementals. And so she asked if she could put me under um, in a session to connect to the Terra Beans. And I said, yes, of course. And Diana was present, too. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. She asked some cool questions, you know, to them through me um, just about them. And I don't know the, t- the name of that podcast. but It's called Sasquatch because she had almost like a fantastical
3: creatures and beasts series, you know, dragons. and Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. does she still have her YouTube up? I think, I think so, so. yeah, I'll, so, I'll add a link to that. I think she called that one Sasquatch Communication yeah. with Sasquatch or something like. That.
2: yeah, I think yeah. so.
3: And you connected with two different mm-hmm. um, beans. One was older and one was younger, and it was amazing all the all the sharing that came
0: through and mm-hmm, just that experience, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Diana, have you had your own interesting experiences that you'd like to share? I have
3: um, two of them popped up to my the surface of my <laughs> memory. Um, when I got your email, I was like, oh, man, what was that thing again? So I went to bed last night and asked my team, like, please help me remember in the morning what would be um, valuable and helpful to share. And sure enough, you know, they do. And so I had um, probably my most physical experience with them was I was in Mount Shasta in 2020 in May. So right after the world had shut down and I went to visit my friend in Ashland, Oregon, and we drove over to Mount Shasta because we wanted to camp and do ceremony. And it was, we, I swear to God, entered a different dimension because we had the entire mountain to ourselves. Like, I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's like landscaped for camping and it's awesome because all the fire rings are like heart shaped and spirals and there's medicine wheels everywhere. And I mean it's just like wow, you're one spiritual, come here. Except we were the only ones.
0: I mean, wow. literally, it was unreal. Well, I like think at the very the very beginning of 2020. <clears throat> people weren't even camping yet. They were too nervous about what was going on. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it was um blessed, lucky for us. And um I was sitting, so we were doing ceremony and I was just sitting and um, being with the trees and I was starting to see the um, communication of the trees, this energy between them, all these shapes and patterns and colors, and it would change as they were communicating with one another. And the terra beans came through that. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden I see the shape and then there was a couple of them and they came and sat down with me. And then we were having this whole again, telepathic communication um, of their communication with the trees and how, um, you know, the trees have told them things like they throughout history have let them know what's happening in an area or they're, they just have strong allies between them. Um, let me see what, yeah, I think that was all I was going to share about that, but it was really profound just to feel them in such a a natural and physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also had a lifetime that I went to as a young white uh, female terra Bean. And I had in that session, uh, wanted to see where my, one of the core fears that had plagued me <laughs> through life was the fear of making wrong choices. And I wanted to get to the root of that. Well, I went to this lifetime and I had, um, fallen asleep because even back then, and I think this was around like maybe the 14 or 1500s, they had already gone more into the fourth dimension because they had been hunted and persecuted. But it was in that in-between time that they didn't really know if the humans were going to be nice to them or not nice to them because, you know, humans were so fearful of them. And so I was in the third dimension and I had fallen asleep and gotten captured. And just the shock of how I was being treated, but also knowing that I was going to die, they were going to kill me, and the just absolute acceptance of it, of, yeah, this just is part of it. So there was no fear around death in that. Um, It was more connected to that, oh, I was so stupid, I made the wrong choice, I didn't go back into the non-physical. So those are the two primary experiences that popped up this morning to share.
0: Those are Yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, what's interesting is it must have been around 2018 when we first started doing public channelings in our home. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of spiritual workers and people who could sense and see things. And there was one person there who said, you have this being who's walking back and forth across your back porch, kind of like a guard. And he's whatever, hairy, looks like a, a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot type of thing, but not as big and just walking back and forth. Like, Oh, that's interesting. And she, I think was a little bit afraid of it, Yeah. but, um, we, we since learned that his name is echo and he's a protector. Mm -hmm. Um, our friend Judy, who we've had on our podcast, she was floating in the pool once on a visit and all of a sudden started tapping into his energy and had a little back and forth exchange and was talking about how, because our, our property is surrounded by water on two sides and the water table is very low underneath the ground and so it's very energetic and we have a lot of beings and fairies and sprites and all of that sort of all the nature beings and elementals and things and so he is in communication with them and as you said with the plants and the trees and all of that so it's very very it just feels so good to to know that they're out there and supporting us like that and you know when you read stories of the sasquatch when they call it that um with hikers and things it's always a positive story where they've come because the person was injured and they've come and supported them and helped them and then just disappeared. And that the person wasn't afraid that they sensed their energy. It's just beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I find it interesting that humans have any fear of them ever. I mean, I'm sure just knowing that all species have positive and negative poles, I would think there would have to be some sort of negative at some point in the Terra Beans. I don't know that, but I've never heard stories of that. I don't have any evidence that shows that they've harmed humans or, you know, done anything that warrants the great fear that it seems like humanity began to have long ago, Mm -hmm. um, which is the whole reason why then they had to escape into other dimensions and inside the earth and all that kind of stuff. So
0: it's curious Mm -hmm. to me, where did our fear come from? I wonder if it was fear at first or if it was let's shut this down because they will uh they're they're more divine they're closer to the they're going to give humans information that we don't want them to have yeah. like from a church perspective from a cultural perspective the control aspect and knowing that when you're tapped into those beings and the humans that want to control don't have control over that aspect then they learned same thing with the ETs. is why is it
4: I, I was just gonna say it's it's like the it's like the little gray alien you know what's to be fearful of a little gray alien right you know but our movies our news everything that we see in our physical realm tells us that we should be afraid of that we should oh it's you know it's it comes off of a ship right. and it's it's
0: strange. almost purposeful right
4: so it's you know when when the first footage i'll put quotes around it when the first footage of the first you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or terror being was put out there, you know, well, then it was portrayed as this big, hairy, ugly, you know, fearish kind of being. And so that then just kind of starts to sink into the psyche of everyone, which then puts that fear nugget in there. So they're, they go out in the woods and they hear a little noise. And instead of going, Oh, Hey, you know, you're here. Let's, let's talk. They, <clears> they, <throat> They go into the fear mode, and that then exemplifies the the whole image that they have in their head already so well
3: you knowledge. know that that makes me think of is how deeply we've been programmed to uh, fear nature yeah in separating ourselves from nature, believing we're separate from nature instead of a part of
2: right, um, right.
3: you know nature has been and still is cast as the enemy mm. Instead of
0: ways to hurt uh yourself, and
3: you know, terra beans from that perspective are kind of one of the links in between because they are very much nature and Mm -hmm. very connected to nature. And you know, even in the conversation we had around communication with the trees, they're like, Well, yeah, you can communicate with everything, you can communicate with the rocks, like that was one of my big trainings. And after 2020, I my trees are my friends, man. The woods I live in and I have specific ones and, you know, I hug them and kiss them. And I have to stop and talk to them when I go by, they won't let me not, you know, right. <laughs> oh,
2: right. and
3: it, right. to them, it's just natural. So it makes me wonder if that's part of it too, is that's part of nature. That's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause Very that's the programming. Nature can kill you. Very
0: good point. <laughs> and we that up, that. Nature can keep you alive. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, we saw that again in 2020 where, Uh, It was all stay indoors. Don't go outside. Beaches were closed off. Playgrounds were taped. I mean, it's crazy. And skateboard parks were filled in. I mean, they didn't want you outside, right? So that was just, again, another... Iteration of that. And what was funny is it really backfired because people realized, well, I can social distance out camping. I'm going to go out in nature and camp. And RV sales skyrocketed, and campgrounds were packed, and national parks, you had to make a reservation. It was booming after your experience, I guess, when you were by yourself. But after that, it just boomed. And so I think a lot of people. Uh, started understanding They had a lot of free time too to explore it mm-hmm. uh, and nothing to do. They're laid off from work or whatever it was. So they go out and explore nature. So I think all of these things that are, um, all of these things that they're trying to do are being, are backfiring and, you know, having the opposite effect, which is purposeful, but we don't want to get off on that tangent. Right. <laughs> all right.
3: Well, nature always wins. So I'm going to align myself with nature. <laughs> right. That's the way I think of it.
0: <laughs> yep. The truth always wins too. The ultimate, yeah. the truth of the oneness and the energy that created all of us. Um, all right. So the other juicy piece of, of um, stuff that I want to delve into is <laughs> the other conversation that we had when you guys came to visit and you alluded to, and I don't know how much you're allowed to share with us, but share to the greatest extent possible this idea that humans can be taken into the realm of the Agarthans, the inner Earth beings. So we're going to move from Terra beings to inner Earth, and there's unless, there a unless bit,
4: there's more that unless there's more that you need to, you know, or,
0: or the bridge, yeah. if you want to bridge that for mm-hmm. us, and how maybe that bridged for you, your experiences. <laughs> in inner earth, whether it was meditative or physical or whatever. And when we channeled for the book, the second chapter, the Agarthans, they explained to us that humans can be taken into their realm, special circumstances, uh, not everybody, um, but there are portals on the planet where we've read stories of people disappearing and turns out they've gone into the inner earth and sometimes they're never seen again. So there's certain circumstances and and things. Anyway, I'm not an expert. Uh, You guys know more, and I want to hear from you all about what your experiences are and what you're permitted to share.
1: Well, so beans to inner Earth is a perfect bridge because they are one of the many species that live inside of our planet, uh, quote unquote, inside. And I say that because it's all dimensional. So the more inside the earth you go, um, the more you're going to change dimensions, fourth, fifth. Um, and the, the species, the different, um, you could say races or types of beings that inhabit this planet, um, are the, uh, you know, the ones in the very, you could say center of the earth are going to be fifth dimension at least. Um, so mm-hmm. where do you, where shall we
3: start? Well, and there's also pockets um, within the earth. You could see it as the center, mm-hmm. um, which is normally what we would refer to as Agartha. But then there's also like cavities or pockets inside the earth, like Talos underneath Mount Shasta is one of those pockets where the Talosians come from and different mm-hmm. other ones I'm sure you've talked about on here before. Um, the terra beans tend to move in all those areas as far as what the information that we've received
0: we haven't actually talked much about those pockets but would antarctica be one of those pockets as well or is that something different antarctica
3: the north pole opens right into the inner earth and the south Pole. and the south
0: pole. That's why they're blacked off on Google Earth. And um, <laughs> I haven't heard but, so much about the north. I've heard a lot about Antarctica.
1: Uh-huh. Well, and explorers. Um, I don't remember the name of the guy. Uh, Admiral Bird. Admiral oh, Bird. Thank you. 1947. You, you mm-hmm. can look that up. I'm sure you guys. Have been. Yeah. Um, so there's has been explorers, mm-hmm. his, his his adventure is the most famous one, but mm-hmm. there's been several explorers who have accidentally ended up from the poles inside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but knowing that it's dimensional, our frequency has to be a match for us to be able to enter those mm-hmm. different places. So we could, um, any humid could go to a certain frequency or level, but then no further. So it is entirely based on um, our level of consciousness. Yep. That's a good I mean, We
3: call it, it dimensions or frequencies, but those are all analogous, right? With what level of consciousness are we right. able to hold and for how long? Mm-hmm. Really, because we blip around between them, right? Like we call it the higher self, but like how many levels of that <laughs> higher <laughs> self of our multidimensional being are there?
1: <laughs> so in other words, yes, the portals and the entrances that are all over the planet do exist but they don't they don't do humanity any good until you're at a certain level of consciousness Mm. and can come and go from different dimensions Mm.
3: which is also why most of the militaries of the world cannot access it Um, now they're still trying and there's been a huge increase in their attempts um during since about 2017 and we uh, made contact because of our research the the book series we're working on now um is called the Ancestor series and it's it's going to be set here in North America and parallel the same time frame 12,000 years ago before the deluge the fall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that wiped out a, a lot of the world well during that time there was civilizations here as we know and um some of them to survive had to go inside the earth and so we started to see, you know research that and Asked for um, to make contact with anyone who was willing to with us um, through sessions, the quantum healing mm-hmm. research sessions that we do. And so I don't, do you remember what year that was? Doesn't matter, but it must have been maybe 15 or 16. Um, mm-hmm that we were actually down at Ojo Caliente. Mm-hmm. It's always around water. I, it's yeah, There's just yeah. huge water connection. Like yeah. we birthed the idea of our Atlantis books in a hot springs in Colorado. And it just mm-hmm. seems like all of these um, major connections and contacts we've had have always had to do with water.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: Ojo Caliente is this amazing hot springs down in New Mexico about four hours from here. Um, that we've had a lot of other cool experiences there, like getting to talk to Jesus, and it just yeah, there's major but, PowerPoint.
4: Yeah, you look at water though. I mean, water is water is in and out, so it's the consciousness. It's the it's the fluid consciousness of the planet. So it's the it's fully cycling through, right?
0: That's true.
4: So when you immerse yourself in it, you're not just sitting at the beach everything you're going back in time you're going back millennia throughout this planet's history and just being absorbed by that knowledge being absorbed by that you know you're absorbing all of that into your consciousness into your field but like you said unless you have the access pass right you know the the access level of consciousness to be able to connect to it Mm -hmm. and then decipher it that's that's where it gets interesting you know it's You know, it's, it's, it's what we're all trying to achieve is a point of consciousness where we seamlessly can blend and receive all of this information, but not everybody has the same access level, you know, so.
0: Which is reassuring, to be honest with you.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because when they find crashed UFOs or different things like that, and they're trying to, you know, backwork the technology, they're just not going to do it. They're not of the consciousness that can understand it yet, which is a good safety precaution. Stop
1: well, and another interesting thing about the inner earth beings is we have both begun to question and gather more information about a lot of what we would call extraterrestrial mm. um, craft and information and even some species um, is and can very well be intraterrestrial mm. because they also... Uh, the inner earth beings also have very advanced technology, of course, and very advanced, um, you know, healing abilities and forms of government and all these different things. And in fact, I wonder if they are not going to be a big uh, piece of teaching us the surface uh, species, <laughs> the surface humanity, Um how to improve maybe even before extraterrestrials i don't know that's just a guess that's not information i have i just it makes sense to me that we have so much already here in and on our planet that we have not explored widely in the collective or you know have not become aware of yet um it just makes sense to me that we would first begin to learn from and utilize what's here already before we would have need of ETs coming from other planets, although that's interchangeable because there are what we would consider ET species also inside the earth and they come and go all the time and they, um, you know, basically do with the inner earth beings, what they used to do with the surface beings with interacting and, you know, helping each other out and visiting and all that.
2: So,
1: Well, and it makes sense then too, that our
3: once our level of consciousness raises to the point that we can conceive of those inventions, let's say, or that technology, then we can utilize it. Like our, if our consciousness is not that level, it'll be gobbledygook to us, you right. know. Like exactly. crystal. Mm-hmm. So
4: that 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 quartz crystal, that polished quartz crystal that you have sitting on your shelf, well, it's just a quartz crystal, but there's so much technology that's in that quartz crystal that until your consciousness can perceive it mm-hmm. and unlock it and utilize it. That's that's I think right. what we're talking about. I like mean, there's, giving a
0: caveman a cell phone.
4: <laughs> it's a it's a brick at that point, you know, to to the caveman unless his consciousness is high enough. Yeah.
0: But I think you're right. I think you're on the right track, Don. And I think from what we understand from the Agarthans, it's all going to be kind of at the same time. All of this is happening at the same time, and they are going to start coming to the surface more uh, to teach now. Now that they know that we're receptive and to to assist, and that their energy is working with Gaia's energy. So there's there are three energies. There's the energy of humanity's consciousness. There's the consciousness of the planet and the consciousness of these Agarthans. And all three work in tandem and in harmony to help us evolve. So they do have a very active role in our evolution, even if it's not direct interaction quite yet. Um, but they did say they could cloak themselves as a human to yep. come up to the surface. But they also take, I think they're very unique in how many different um, forms they can take. Because when Will would channel them early on, he got this visual uh, of, what was the rock guy? I don't watch the Marvel movies, but the one that looks like the rocks. Mm -hmm. He got this image of that rock. And they told us in the book that they can look like a rock. They can look like the earth structure, whatever that is, a mountain or Mm -hmm. things in the earth. But they can also obviously take other physical form. Well, and to understand
1: that many of the societies in there are advanced humans. You know, the the Mayans, uh, a lot of the Mayans are in there, um, a lot of the Atlanteans, a lot of the um, Lemurians, Lemurians, um, as well as all the other ancient um, advanced societies that we haven't put labels on. (laughs) Um, So many of the beings that we've interacted with that are in inner earth, they they look very different because they are very different species and, you know, different mixes of ET genetics, just like we are different mixes of ET genetics. So, mm-hmm. but so many of them are human, you know, they consider themselves fully human. They're just ahead of us.
3: Well, and from my understanding, um, part of the inner senses, Donna was talking about that sync up with what we know as our outer senses is you know, to manipulate, like we're visualizing and thereby creating, right? We're Mm -hmm. starting to understand that a little bit, but to manipulate the elements and so to create different visuals as our brain can conceptualize them and then perceive them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of that that's got, you know, in my mind, that's what they're doing is they're able to interact with all the different elements that we're not quite there yet. You know, like I can't make a rock soft yet and move it over here.
2: <laughs> <for example. laughs>
3: right. um, but we're, that's starting to come online for us. And so, yeah, we've received very similar information um, in our channelings and that, you know, like a lot of the ET races, it's the no interference law and that we, you know, we're on our own evolutionary path. And yep. so, them interfering too much will mess that up and i mean that's the fun of why we came right this journey that we're on and um so once we get to a level of where we can interact with them more then
1: they will start coming to the surface well and i i firmly believe that inner earth beings have been increasingly on the surface and interacting with us Mm -hmm. and you know that could be a beautiful bridge to us learning from them is what if we already know one Mm what, what if, you know, what, I mean, imagine what if that happened? What if they, yeah. you know, then started revealing themselves of, oh, this is who I am, or this is what my background is. And because we know them and trust them already, <clears throat> now we're willing to go to that next level. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yes, yes, I don't mean, yes, I don't mean so much us personally, I mean, in governments yeah. and in militaries, you know, what if they're already in place, And what if that starts to bridge to us accepting their information, their technology, their assistance?
0: Well, they Um, are, they already are. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up (laughs) because they just, the last channeling that we did over the month talks about um, our fail safe with regard to disclosure. Um, in terms of the non-interference, so if you haven't listened to January's channeling, go back and listen to that um, because they talk about we are on an evolutionary path of ascension, a particular timeline, and that's not to be interrupted. It's going to happen. So if they have to intervene, they will for that. Um, but getting to your point about uh, the disclosure, so they've told us our, our guides. We've talked to a number of different collectives and councils and guides, and they've mentioned for probably at least a year now in various settings Mm -hmm. and various groups, that disclosure is not what we think it's going to be. It's not going to be the government going, yes, they exist. And yes, we've been working with them. It's not coming from government. And it's also not going to be them just landing.
4: As fun as that would be. I mean, you know, come on.
0: Because it would scare (laughs) the bejesus out of everybody and they can't have that what disclosure is going to be is exactly what you said. The realization that they're already here and walking amongst us now that we are them. And so they told us that you're going to start seeing the overlay of like, we, we understand that you have two strands of DNA that are primarily active when you come into a human body. So you're going to see what that is. Like if I'm a Lyran, you'll be able to see the Lyran overlay on me or on you or on somebody else. So Not to get too far into the weeds, but that's what happened, what we understand happened in the Miami uh, Mall experience, which is also talked about in the January channeling, if you want to hear more on that. And also, perhaps, I don't know this for sure, what happened on that airplane when the woman looked over and said, oh my God, you're not real, you're a reptilian or whatever. So we're going to start to see that because our vibrations are raising as we evolve. So even if our human mind is not awake and we don't understand it, our vibration is still evolving and still raising to the point where we're going to start it, seeing it, whether it's spirits or right. hearing it's, voices. It's, it's or, harmonic
4: in vibration. Yeah. And when you have harmonic and vibration, you have balance. And so when you have balance and you have clarity and with clarity, you have vision. So it's kind of a, a cascading effect with this whole vibration aspect is as, as it harmonizes for each individual with other individuals or maybe the tree or maybe the rock that you are called to or whatever, as you harmonize with it, That's where it becomes fluid, or becomes you know light enough that you can move, and you actually are then can see in you know that kind of thing. So it's there's a number of things that are going to take place once we really feel the feel the potential or know the potential of our own harmony with the world around us, Mm -hmm. the the vibrational harmony. So,
3: well, they were this morning. um, The team was talking to me when I was driving here that our inner Earth friends. And saying that, uh, because I said, what's the why? You know, why why do we want to understand this more? What is the information that will be helpful to us? How are you helping us? How are we helping you? Mm-hmm. And and then the thought popped in, well, we are you. And I just laughed. And so I'm like, so you're saying you are us and we are you? And they're just like, yes. They've been holding, if you think of, you know, our inner self and our outer self or our inner senses and our outer senses, inner earth, outer earth. <laughs> And how that they've, you know, been holding the higher dimensions and frequencies there. They were already here. They're already activated and connected to them. Mm -hmm. And as we're having, you know, fast increasing experiences of telepathy between all of us. But with them too, they said that more and more humans are having more dream communication and telepathic communication. Mm -hmm. That they just think they're thinking, but they're actually communicating with their counterparts, let's say, Mm -hmm. or family in what we call the inner earth, but inner and outer is very confusing because it's not actually physically like that. It's just the different dimensions. And that there would not be, there would be more of that increasing in 24, but there would not be a lot of them, you know, coming into our dimension, those those dimensions syncing up. They're hoping a lot more of that in 25 and 26. Yay! You know, that's fun. Awesome.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's been extra security between 2017 through 2024 is Mm -hmm. this all kinds of stuff going on that we'll probably in 2025 and 2026 um know a lot more about and be able to talk a lot more about but there Mm -hmm. there is you know it's intense everywhere 2017 to 2024 is this intense intense window so well and it's interesting because we had um
3: sorry, just listening for what I can share for now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We had an experience in early 2017, where um, uh, we were going to get to visit a certain place. Mm. And in 2017, right around that same time, something shifted in a huge way, Mm. where what she's talking about, the added reinforcement protection, they had to shut down a lot of portals at that time, Mm. because there was an increasing effort attempt of different um, uh, countries, uh, governments to access the internet. Mm. And so our communication became more um, telepathic and more sporadic mm. over the last few years. Um, and so that, you know, it's interesting that this morning they were sharing that and we were thinking, oh, my gosh, those that time frame, 2017 to 2024, 25, as a lot of different people have talked about that. Mm-hmm. Of This is the time of the shift and where things have gotten more intense, controls have been, you know, it's been equal measure light and dark.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Control and freedom. Right.
2: Right.
1: Well, in 17, 18, and 19 was, I think looking back, we might consider that the most concentrated effort to waylay what's now happening. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like kind of like the the last like throw everything at trying to change this shift from ha- or keep the shift from happening happening, trying to change all the factors that're going to you know make that happen. Um, so I think you know the time will come when we'll look back at 17, 18, and 19 when we understand what all did happen. Um, you know, I think yeah. I think we'll be like,
0: wow, yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that that full disclosure mm-hmm. on that level. I, I just want to know, I guess that's my left brain. Yeah, runs rampant.
1: Well, I'd love to speak to what Will was talking about earlier with all these <clears throat> senses coming online, um, expanded senses. We sometimes call them higher senses, but really that just means expanded senses, right? And um, as people begin to, as as the listeners and the viewers even here today begin to maybe have this happen, whether they're hearing things they've never heard before, seeing things they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um you know, filling energies, all that kind of stuff. I, I think the most important takeaway, the most important thing to remember as this happens in the collective into each and every one of us is going back to what Diana said with fear and love. Mm. Are you immediately being thrown into fear with whatever your new experiences are? And if you are, um, get some help around that. Because Mm -hmm. Truly what's becoming available to us is rooted in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even if you see, for yeah. instance, you look at somebody and, oh my goodness, they look like a reptilian. Yeah, there's a lot of really positive, beautiful reptilians out there. So you don't need to immediately be afraid of that. Right. Um, maybe you feel what you would consider demonic or evil or whatever kinds of you know energies and stuff like that. If you go immediately to fear, you're missing what you're really seeing or feeling or connecting with exactly um, so yeah. get some help around that get some help in with getting into your positive pull into your um, higher frequencies of being so that you can experience the truth that's there not just the fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: because you really can't discern from a place of fear anyway right so you can't tell you just can't and that's why the controllers want to keep us in a state of fear constantly so if you haven't already turned off the headlines turn them off Mm -hmm. and if you do see something again just remember that fear is their agenda
4: would you would would be the category of they
0: the controllers.
1: yeah they they, they, they. the which they are we talking about The, the other thing The other thing that I would love to see shift is the morphic field around the word disclosure. Yes. You know, we tend to think of disclosure as all the horrible things everybody has ever done and hidden, right. That's in power. (laughs) Why does it have to be just that? Why can disclosure not be all the things we're talking about today? The beauty that exists out there, the higher beings that really, really want to support us, heal us, teach us, connect with us. Um, You know, And I know a lot of us see disclosure that way, but there's also, in my experience, Mm -hmm. a mass majority that hears the word disclosure and immediately goes to all the horrible things our governments have done.
3: I (laughs) knew it. They (laughs) get all this stuff (laughs) from us. It's kind of like the morphic field of conspiracy theory. You know, I feel like it's an implanted word. already programmed that morphic field for us to like shift it to this way the negative instead of the positive but if you break the word down this close it's actually to open
4: yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: expand to present
4: it's it's the reason why people go to a you know a nascar race or you know or a race car race because they're not there to see the cars go around in circles they're there to see them get chaotic and get in a wreck you know that's what humans like yeah, <laughs> so the drama they like the drama and so if you got to keep the drama going but that 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 cycle of drama the word disclosure or the word you know um 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 Um. what we were just talking about i just lost my thought but that the, the context of those words as you're saying you know we're the bubble around them is that it's, we're wanting to see the chaos in it. We want to see that as a human. Huge- well, we
0: assume. I think yeah. we assume that it's going to be chaotic right. and yucky because you assume that your government is protecting you by not disclosing this stuff. I mean, that's been the thought process in the public. I think right. that, Oh, they don't want to tell us because they know it'll be make us afraid and these things could be harmful to us. And so we need to protect humanity from knowing this. And so from that aspect then if it is disclosed then it must be scary and bad and ugly or they would have already told us about it so yeah and, yeah those yeah. are all beliefs
4: so as you're saying that and and changing that morphic field what would be if you could impart you know provide a, a word or two or a sentence or two to our listeners what can they do to begin to change that morphic field around certain words and there's a number of words we could probably list out all day long a lot of hijacked words right but just these particular words that we're talking about how do we how do we find that in our you know daily activities of being able to change that vibration around us so that we can start feeling the different field that is actually presented before us
1: well what you focus on what you think about what you listen to and watch determines your frequency. Mm. And if your frequency is in all those negative parts of disclosure, you are not ever going to get to experience the beautiful inner earth beings in places. Uh, you are probably not going to connect with the beautiful, very high dimensional angelic beings and ET beings. So... Mm. <laughs> As far as words, you think of words while well, I finish this thought. <laughs> no, I'll help you think of words. So She's already got some, I can tell. She's like, I've got five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just want to make this point very strongly. I went through a period of curiosity, too, with all these rabbit holes and all this information, all these train wrecks, all these car crashes that, that, as you're alluding to, Will, we just can't look away from, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we can. We absolutely yeah. can. And where my focus is, there is all of my energy too. Yes. And I do not want my energy to be in those places and on those subjects and in those things that have already happened, even if they're still happening. Unless I have uh, direct uh, access to change something with that, that's not where my energy needs to be. And so I have now made disclosure about you know, learning the beings that live in earth, learning about the ETs, uh, learning about the angelic realms, learning about all these things, communicating with them, learning from them, Mm -hmm. uh, making that connection. And the more that I place my focus and my energy on higher frequency things, the more I get to connect to all of them and learn from all of them. And it impacts my life and my reality. My reality is very, very different than the average person that I have conversations with. And it's directly due to where I have chosen to put my focus and my energy. Yeah,
0: That's fascinating. I want to hear what you have to say, Diana. I just wanted to interject real quick. Again, in that January channeling, we, collect, we talked to a collective of all ET races and they said, you know, humans are so unique that you can actually change your reality. They said it. You can see all of this chaos and you just decide you're not going to focus on that and it no longer exists for you. You have a different reality. It's exactly right. Go ahead, yeah. Diana.
3: And that is what we've been doing since 2020. <laughs> As you guys know, the many stories of us traveling all over the world when the world is, quote, shut down. <laughs> Not, down. Yeah. Not wearing a mask when you, you know, quote, can't go anywhere without one.
2: <laughs> right, right.
3: So, yes, to I would say I 100% that agree with that because that is my experience, has been and is and will continue to be. Correct. It will create the reality I want to live in. And if I'm seeing things I don't like out there, I get to change my view. Mm. Because to what Donna said, what I focus on is what I create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if I'm creating something that doesn't feel good, oh, what am I focusing on that that's coming mm-hmm. from?
0: Mm-hmm. And this is um, Johnny it's, Robbins says the same thing, where attention goes, energy oh, flows. Yeah. yeah. Just the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking back to the, I wrote down
3: entertainment and I was thinking of, is. I think it's the movie Gladiator, Gladiator you know, where he's like, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> and That's when cute. you look at all of this, this, you know, personal reality, co-creation of reality, it's like a big stage that we're all actors on, right? As we know, we're making our own play. <laughs> yeah, okay. It is entertainment. Like we're very entertained. We love our reality TV, right? So much so. That we sometimes can't distinguish between the two. And I think that's that's part of our training. Yeah. Yes, we are creating all of it. And to me, disclosure has already happened. It's been happening. You know, there's Mm -hmm. uh, there's the governments have talked about it. The news have talked about it. And yet we're still waiting for what are we waiting for?
2: Right.
3: And anybody watching this channel, like we're already doing the work. We already have that awareness. So, you know, disclosure. Is to me continuous. As I seek more information, the information comes. It's the law of attraction, right? Like we're always going to draw in what we're focused on. So, I I kind of like instead of disclosure, entertainment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is this is for me to be entertained. <laughs> That's right. Why not?
4: Because yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I you know that yeah, as you're saying that, it it does it 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 really paints a different picture. It's like disclosure really is personal and and the more you become aware that's being that that's disclosure i mean prior to 2015 when this all started for myself did i know there was a spirit world did i know there was angels i could talk to did i know there was this and this and this no but over time things have been disclosed and they've been put on my path for my my entertainment yeah. To, to grow and, and expand myself. So it's it's how you reframe or how you reprogram the language and mm-hmm. for yourself, not anybody else, but for yourself. And that's I've, I've, that that's a solid that's a solid connection there
3: well, Yeah, I know for us this has been a, an ongoing thing of anytime we get information through um, channeling our sessions, our yes. dreams, Then we will say, I want more and we'll go to a book, often the book we're reading, and open to the exact thing that gives us more information. Um, You know, we really (coughs) enjoy Seth's teaching, Jane Roberts and his channelings, and he's one of those that that happens so often with. And it's the same with Dolores Cannon's books of another way to kind of validate that and Open that up more on our own particular path of disclosure, you know, which could also be seen as our learning, our expansion,
0: our awareness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bibliomancy. We've talked about that on the podcast, and also videomancy, which Candace loves to do. She'll go to uh, Dolores Cannon videos, and which one do I need to know, Dolores, and go right to the right one. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's just honing our our attention and our choice. You know, and for me it's it's taking the power, taking my power back. Because mm-hmm. when I have the view of, oh, the government's doing this to me, they have this power control over me, or they're trying to do this to me. Just me thinking that is I'm giving them some of my power instead of that's not part of my reality.
0: Yep. And it isn't. Yep. Right. Metatron just had a beautiful channeling about control. And he said the only vulnerability that humans have because humanity was not meant to be controlled polarity yes but control no the vulnerability is our thoughts and if you don't take control of your own thoughts someone else will uh, we've got to get a handle on our thinking and who is actually in charge and who's creating
1: yeah well and what those thoughts are and where they originate from and why we're having them instead of others and yeah that, that's a whole Mm-hmm. That's a whole series of podcasts. It is. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. We tapped of, into? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, what are we tapped
3: into? You know, what morphic fields are we tapped into that those thoughts are flowing through, through my brain?
0: My right. Field. Yep, yep. right. And I have so much more on my list, but we're running short <laughs> of time. So we're going to have to bring you ladies back. Because uh, we still need to get into Toltec Mounds. We need to get into your other research. We need to get into Atlantis. There's just so much going on with you guys. You guys are a wealth of information. This is just
4: cracking the egg open. It is. It's
0: just Do you have a copy of your books? Because I have one I can hold up if you don't. I want everybody to see what you have done. You guys are prolific. <laughs> Here, you take.
1: So this is uh, book one of the Atlantis series, which is fiction, quote unquote, um, and it's a trilogy. So Diana has book two and book three, and these are available on Amazon and all other online uh, booksellers. And then our nonfiction books based on our sessions, primarily our surrogate sessions, um, we have New Earth Healing Uh, which has been out a little while. And then uh, we haven't officially released the print copy yet, but we will very soon, God willing, (laughs) and the creek don't rise, (laughs) Um, on death. It's called Doorways of Death. Mm. So that'll be coming out. And anybody who wants to get updates on when that's released and as well as the other stuff that we're doing, and I know you haven't asked for this yet, but I just want to, um, you can go to our Facebook page, D.D. Adair is the best way right now. Um, As well, we don't post much. We're just not very good at social media. We just don't enjoy it, and so. But if you do our Facebook page, D-D-A-D-A-R, D-D-A-D-A-I-R, then you'll you'll
0: know when books come out or a little bit of what we're doing. So. And your books are highly accessible. It isn't. You don't charge exorbitant fees. In fact, I think you almost give away the the e copies often because you want it to get out there, mm-hmm. especially one. Well, the if I recall, is that correct?
3: Yeah, I think the New Earth Healing is maybe five bucks on Amazon or something. And we actually have a, a free, is the download still on there on our website? Yes. DDAdare.com. There is a free download of the ebook of our new death book, um, Doorways of Death. Right. And That's what I love about all you. of our books, mm-hmm. we've been guided to write these um, with Atlantis. You know, we researched for 10 years and then created our own story within our research. But they said the most important thing is the... The energy that's encoded into these words is going to wake up other people's memories and wake up that part of them. And so, it's been so fun for us to hear uh, people's dreams and all the experiences they have while reading these books. So um, when
4: you say it's when you say it's fiction in the Atlanta series, it's research fiction. So you've you've you put your you take what you've researched over years of the dream state, the meditative state, the session state, even going out and exploring some different places. But then you build a story around that, that is fictional, but you in infusing it with the, with the actual research material. Is that correct?
1: Yes. We say that it's a cast of characters in a story set in the most historically probable Atlantis
2: uh, fantastic. Based,
1: on, based on research. And the world is built um, on what people and ourselves have experienced in sessions of being in Atlantis in different time periods. Mm -hmm. as well as all all the everything pretty much that's been written about Atlantis that's out there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So both metaphysical and physical research, you could say.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And because you're both trained in beyond quantum healing, which allows online sessions, you guys do online surrogate sessions for those who feel that they can't go under or for whatever reason, want to have a surrogate session through you. Is there anything else you want to say about those? They're profound. Mm -hmm. Just what a great
1: honor and privilege it is. And it blows our mind every single time to connect to other people's teams, um, guides and higher self. And then yeah, it's I don't know. A lot
3: of fun. It's it is such a great honor to get to support people that way. And we just fall in love with all of our clients, you know, because you're seeing their whole true big beautiful
0: selves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're the same way. We're always at the end. Oh, well, if anything happens or you have insight or questions, please reach out. And we'd love to hear from our clients. I mean I I consider them our friends and it's difficult to maintain a group of friends that large, but I just really, you feel connected to them on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as much as we
1: love the surrogate sessions, um, we still do both firmly believe in people getting their own sessions Mm -hmm. um, because there's just, that's irreplaceable, you know, to fill that within yourself. And it teaches you how to connect to your own um, guidance, your own inner wise self, and your own guidance when you experience the session yourself. Mm-hmm. So we do definitely always plug that. But for, yeah, for people who cannot for any reason experience a session themselves, mm-hmm. um, we do the surrogates as mm-hmm. as to you guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know if you guys have experienced, I think this you have, but
3: a good number of them after having a surrogate are able to connect themselves and just go on. You know their merry way, which is it's like a
4: permission slip. It, it it opens that doorway for them to just go, okay, you know, let me try yeah. something different. You know, let me let me experience something different. So, yeah,
0: that's true. we just need to hear sometimes things through the left brain process, and in, in order, like you said, to give yourself a permission slip yeah. or to understand things in a different way or to understand why maybe you were hesitant or why you felt like you had a block or even to clear legit blocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
4: So, uh, you know, with your book series and you know your latest book, are there any others that you are uh, currently working on? How, how many do? Oh, how what many, are you currently many,
0: researching? Right.
4: How many do you have on the shelf that that are <laughs> in, in various states of uh, progress?
1: So, the next uh, fiction series Diana touched on earlier, the Ancestor series, and book right. one of that is going to be set on the North American continent. In the time when the terra beans did interact with humanity and lived on the surface, in the time when many of the species that are now inner earth beings were also coming and going and living on the surface, Mm -hmm. um, when there was two uh, basically branches or strains of humanity, Mm -hmm. as well as the giants that roamed the earth at that time Mm -hmm. and all the prehistoric animals. um, So, and the pyramids that were on this continent and on and on and on. So, we are bringing together all of that research into book one of the ancestor series, book two of the ancestor series will be farther down the timeline, but set in inner Earth. Mm. And then book three, we don't know yet. It'll be also a different time period, but all relating uh, via character, you know, mm-hmm. the same characters will carry throughout these. Mm-hmm. But it'll be essentially. Uh, very, very old on this continent, inner earth. And then the third one will be some sort of a bridge. So Amazing. y'all are incredible.
0: And then <laughs> not, I no. love writing, but it's difficult. I, I don't know that I could write fiction. I mean, it's just, it's a whole nother ball game to be able to carry those characters through and to, and, you know, all of their experiences and to link and make sure everything makes sense content wise. Mm-hmm. It, it's beautiful. You guys do a beautiful job with that.
1: Well thank you and as, as a lot of authors say in a sense it, it writes itself because so many so many fiction authors are really just channeling right mm-hmm. You know the characters present themselves, and then they tell you about themselves, and then they tell you what they do or what they're doing or mm. what you know. So when we sit down, to
2: giving <laughs> away the secrets.
1: <laughs> when we sit down to plot, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Half yeah. of them have already shown up to each of they us, have, <laughs> and then the other half present themselves. You know, yeah. and then and so it's more channeling it than is. it is writing.
3: Well, and you know, not to worry, well, because all the work comes in in the editing and shaping, right?
4: exactly that's very
3: much
0: you know our Not that human... you know anything about hey it. <laughs> i've watched you,
4: i've watched you toil over many hours of putting the books together so i i yes. completely edit understand. and,
0: edit. and yes. edit
4: some more yes.
3: yeah that's where a lot of the work comes in and i mean gosh we might have done 70 or 80 passes on our atlantis books because with fiction that that really is where the layering and the shaping and the the endless editing comes in to make
0: continuity
4: and, you know, give life to your characters and all that. So. And even <laughs> after it's published, I know there was, there was
0: something slips through. Yeah.
4: I think it was in the, in the book, you yeah. know, there was, uh, you know, it had been out already and Allison just decided she's going to just start page flipping through it and reading some things. And all of a, sudden came across a
0: glaring like, something right. <laughs> and it's eating at me. I think we've made a mistake. We- Big no, like mistake. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I can't. I I can't read our books because I guarantee you, I will find
0: fifteen things I need to change. <laughs> a laundry I Should have list said it way. this way. A uh, comma should have been there.
3: I take solace though that we both read a lot, and I find mistakes all the time in books. Even you know highly polished New York Times list
1: books. They're just.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I, I don't. You're right. So then the nonfiction book, uh, as soon as we get the death book out, it is done. Um, we just have a couple, a couple things that are holding, holding us up. Um, but the next nonfiction book that Diane is actively working on, and I'm sort of trying to help a little bit is on sexuality and spirituality. Mm. And we are going to find different words around yeah. those things. Cause really what we're talking about is the soul and the human coming mm. together. divinity and humanity, you know, mm. coming. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Yeah. That'll we're very awesome. excited about that one. Session stories, yeah. uh, specifically on that subject.
0: Amazing. Beautiful. Awesome. Oh my gosh, we could keep going and going and going. Uh, we uh, have things we need. I want to honor your time, and we have things we need to get accomplished as well. So promise me you'll come back. For sure. Please. Thank you for having- <laughs> Awesome, and especially how so much fun. Yes. When the books are underway and you can tell us, I really want to dive more into your research and the actual, not just channeling research, but the literal travel, physical
4: research. Yeah. Because where
0: are you guys headed? You're going somewhere this year. Tuesday yeah. in what's today? Sunday, uh, in two days,
1: in two days, we're going for a month to Thailand and Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Man. So, uh, in Thailand, um, we'll be doing some meditation and breathing stuff, but then in Cambodia, we're going to go to anger Wat and several other really old sites. And this actually relates to our sexuality, spirituality book, because we're going to be working
3: with a Taoist uh, master and working with learning how to um, harness and channel our sexual energy into healing energy, into clearing negative uh, emotions stuck in the body to transform them and back into life force or chi. So that's one of our interests. So many sessions, you know, People have issues around one of those or relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so we're delving into it more with our personal experience to also inform that next book.
0: Well, that's exciting. Safe and then travels. There's Egypt.
3: We'll talk about Egypt next time.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, gosh. I know yeah. all of these things are so much to talk about. Uh, but I will have all of your links and all of your information for your books down in the uh, description box. And wishing you safe travels and a beautiful day. And thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, dear friends, for having.
4: Absolutely. It's always
1: so fun. We're, we're we are like siblings when we get together, right? Oh my god! <laughs> really. Yes,
4: it's I grew up. I grew up without siblings, and when I first met them, I was like, "Oh my god, I have sisters!" This is just. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. You know, Absolutely. I think
3: we yes. cried the first. I, we time We did.
4: It was just. <laughs> it just. Boom, yeah, I mean, and I'm gonna say, you know, for those that might be watching this or listening to this, you, I. Some of those that are sensitive, energy sensitive may be feeling it, but the entire time that we've been speaking, my crown has been absolutely on fire. I mean, it is just from the tip of my ears all the way up. It's just been like this. And I know the authenticity of our conversations with you guys are always so high. It is just amazing. It is absolutely amazing. So
0: and i do want to mention to our audience you obviously see that we're missing samantha our lovely third uh, host here and trying to get five people to coordinate schedules for this important uh, interview that we really wanted to get out before you started traveling again um it was it was just impossible so uh, our heart is with samantha she's here in our hearts and uh, we miss having her and letting you guys meet her but i wanted to explain why she wasn't present she's still with us. She'll be on the next one. Uh, So no worries. And thank you guys again for joining us for this episode of out on a limb podcast until next time. See y'all. Thank you.